So let me ask you a question. When you leave, I don't mean 12 o'clock, I mean when you die, when you expire, when you cash your ticket, what do you want people to say about you when you're gone? What memory do you want to leave embedded in the hearts of your family, in the hearts of your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors? How, how, how should they remember you? What do you desire for them to say? How, how do you, why do you want them to feel when you're gone, when you're expired, when it's over for you on this earth? What do you want their memory, their reflection to be? You know, when I was a kid, <clears throat> we, we used to ask the question, and the question would be asked of us, what do you want to be when you grow up? Anybody play that game? Anybody? Anybody say trash man? You know, I did. That's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a trash man. I thought it was really cool to ride on the back of the truck and hold on and jump off. And I, I thought that was cool and see everybody's stuff. I just thought that was great. And then I, um, I wanted to be a ranger, like in the woods, you know, like spying on hunters and stuff. I don't know why, but that's kind of what I. <laughs> and then at some point, I found out that it was really. That, that when you told adults that you wanted to be a public servant like a judge, they would say, yeah, that's good, that's good. And so I, I wanted that applause in my life. And so when, you know, high schoolish people would ask me, so what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'd say, I would like to be a lawyer, possibly a judge. Oh, yeah, that's good, that's good. That's good. You know, so it was all different things. And then about 16, the Lord spoke to me and called me into um, ministry and I wrestled for a while, and, uh, and then about 1990, at the age of 25, I really surrendered and started doing that uh, full-time. But back to the question, what do you want people to say about you when you leave this earth? My name is Mike Ricks, and I had the pleasure of speaking here in the spring when Chip was not feeling well, and he called me this week and said, hey, man, I'm sick again. And I'm like, dude, you've got to call me at some time besides you being sick. Okay, I'm getting a little complex here. But uh, <laughs> I hope y'all love Chip as much as I do. I, I really enjoy my friendship with him. For 26 years, I was the associate pastor at Briarwood Baptist Church, down 53 a little ways uh, towards Watkinsville. And then for five years, I worked with the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. And for the last year, I've been serving with um, an organization called Bethel Haven, Bethel Haven Christian Ministries, and we're a counseling organization. I'm the executive uh, director uh, there. It's really a wonderful place to serve. <clears throat> but when I leave, when I leave, I don't know that I want people to say, hey, Mike was a great executive director of a nonprofit. I mean, I hope I am. I don't know that I want people to say, Mike was a great youth pastor. I don't know that I want that. You know, I mean, that's maybe second thought, third thought. Primarily, I want them to say, man, Mike really loved the Lord. He believed that Jesus was real. And he wanted other people to know Jesus. And that's what I remember most about Mike. I hope that you feel the same way. Let's look at some scripture together um, this morning. I think that thought came to me about what people say about me when I'm gone. Because in the last three months, I have lost three very close friends. 
mentors, uh, just people who made a difference in my life. And I think about those guys, and I think, wow, they left a mark. And people look at them and look at their memory, focus on what they did, and they say, those guys loved Jesus. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about their influence in my life and things that I believe they are remembered for um, through the context of this verse in Philippians chapter 4, verse, uh, verse 40, excuse me, 4, verse 4. Looking at verse 4 and 5. This is the Apostle Paul writing, and he says, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit, let your gentleness be evident to all men the Lord is near let's pray together Father I pray this over our lives that we would be rejoicing in you we'd be rejoicing in you not just when it's easy but we would rejoice in you always good times and bad losses wins family drama peace at home always Lord we would be found rejoicing in you in your wonderful name i pray amen rejoice in the lord always and i say it again (laughs) rejoice i'll say it again rejoice in chapter three paul says it's no trouble for me to say this to you again this is what he wants this is what he desires he wants us to rejoice this this word this word uh rejoice it's just not a word that we use a whole lot in our um in our context is it i mean it's just not a part of my everyday vernacular i didn't call buddy last night and say hey i'm rejoicing with you the bulldogs won i I didn't i I mean listen i probably was rejoicing i probably was a little bit hyped up about it i mean i i love the dogs and i probably did get a little excited at times last night probably more excited last week than this week but i didn't use the word rejoice one time during the the whole occasion even though it was one, last week was one of the biggest wins that the dogs have experienced in Stanford Stadium, I never said one time, I'm rejoicing with you guys. I just didn't. Did anybody say that? No? But yet you were, some of you were pretty happy. The guy in front of my car, I parked in the parking lot out there today, it's a shocker, and the person in front of me had a Florida tag on the front of his car. I love you, bro. I don't know who you are, woman, whatever. It's okay. Uh, I know you probably didn't rejoice or were happy or excited. <clears throat> But, but we were, but yet we probably didn't say the word rejoicing. Now, I, in, in truth, in truth, a friend of mine who's a youth pastor down in South Georgia, he baptized three students a couple of weeks ago. And I found myself sending him a text. He's posted it on social media, and I found myself sending him a text. And the word I chose was rejoice. Hey, man, I'm rejoicing with you in this baptism. So this word has, in, in our context has taken on this spiritual meaning much like the word grace or forgiveness if you're part of the church you see those words that have literal meaning you see those words in context of christ in context of scripture i don't know that when paul was writing this if it had such a religious context it just basically meant 
be like overwhelmingly happy be like into this and just full of joy rejoice in it just enjoy it i asked my dad about this word and he said uh he said for him rejoicing means being happy in jesus again honoring or looking at that spiritual content or connection of this verse but i believe when paul wrote it it didn't have that it was just hey dudes i want you to be happy in jesus i want you to be happy in jesus always and it's no trouble for me to say it to you again i want you to be happy in jesus always well how could someone be happy in jesus always how could they be rejoicing in every situation of life i want to give you some ideas i have about that this morning but basically it's because of the wonderful work of jesus that i can be eternally happy in all situations contented and focused on him it's very easy this church is church is a is a fun but weird thing you know what i'm saying nobody knows that y'all have gone here the whole time so you don't understand man church can be weird sometimes i mean it really can and <clears throat> sometimes we read things in the bible that are plain rejoice in the lord always and we say but now what paul was not saying is is that christians always have to be happy well it's not really what he said he said rejoice in the lord always and so i think there's this underlying sense that he's implying that because of god's goodness to us because of his graciousness to us that our spirit is positive our spirit is longing for more our spirit accepts god's goodness to us and we are not overwhelmed as the bible says when someone dies we are grieving but we are not grieving as those who have no hope if someone gave me a billion dollars and it was sitting tax-free in my tax account in my in my account that i could use that i had an atm card attached to <clears throat> you wouldn't have to explain to me how to feel because i would just feel great and I, I when i look at this verse i believe that's what paul is saying hey y'all feel great about what you have in the lord in the lord in jesus hebrew says he is our creator first john says he was there in the beginning with god he created us jesus redeemed us praise the father jesus redeemed us he created us he redeemed us he sustains us he gives us purpose and he is providing a place for us in the future past presence present always jesus has wrapped it up with a big bow and given it to us who believe and trust in him amen man that's exciting to think about and <clears throat> i think about my friend pastor dan who passed away a couple of weeks ago man pastor dan was one of the most gentle loving kind people that i've ever known very focused on the lord and dan would say stuff like you know i want to talk about jesus with the same commonality that i talk about the braves 
I want to talk about Jesus as easily as I talk about Oconee County football. I want to talk about Jesus as easily as I talk about my family. I don't know about you, but that's kind of an effort for me to be that comfortable talking about Jesus who loved me, who died for me, as I talk about these other things. Man, if we want to rejoice in the Lord, then our Jesus has to be personal in our life. Jesus has to be personal. We have to be in a relationship with him. We can't be in a relationship with the church. We can't be in a relationship with the religion. We have to be in a relationship with Christ. With Christ. Walking with him daily. How do we go about that? Surrendering to him. This term, this term rejoice in the Lord, it's followed by in the Lord. And in the Lord, the, the, the term there, Lord, is someone who controls or is over us. Someone that we are surrendered to. And, and the context of that word being used there, it was a voluntary surrender. It wasn't a hostile takeover, but we surrendered to this Lord, and now we are confessing him as Lord. I, I really feel like, and I don't want to be judgy, I don't want to be judgy, but I really feel like that a lot of Christians accept Jesus into their heart, and when they say that, they mean, okay, then I close the door, and I'm controlling every part of my body, but he's in my heart. He's my ticket. He's my wristband. He's my entrance into heaven, but about my day-to-day, -day, I'm not really, <laughs> I'm not really surrendered. The next verse really kind of screams at this to us, doesn't it? It says, so, let your, let your gentleness be evidence to all. As, as, as Christians, our personalities should be affected. As Christians, our obedience, our, our daily walk, our lifestyle, our daily choices. I love what Megan said, let us choose to worship you. It, it should be given to Jesus. We have a choice every day to be consumed with the world or to give our life as a daily sacrifice to Christ the King. Sometimes I feel like we've accepted that it's okay just to, to claim Jesus but not be surrendered, but not living daily in his goodness. There's no rejoicing there. There's no rejoicing there. When you hide Jesus in your heart and you hide him so deep that you don't know he's there and you don't remember him there, I promise you, you can't live a life of rejoicing because that becomes burdensome and you're beginning to do things out of ought versus out of I want to. And you know because we all do things out of obligation from time to time. But man, when you're, when you're passionate about the person that you're in walking with and living with, it's, it's easy to follow. It's easier to live. It's easier to enjoy than when it's just burdensome. This is my ring, and it indicates that I'm married. But this is not the only indicator of my marriage. How I treat people, how I treat women that I meet, am I flirting with them and, and, and coming on to them and acting like a fool around them, or am I honoring this lady who's just down the street here I, I hope in our hearts that we're not just living a life where I claim Jesus but I'm not surrendering to him 
I hope that we're living lives that, that we are walking every day in obedience to the Lord. In Genesis chapter 5, there's a story of Enoch. And he walked with the Lord. And it, the Bible gives the details about how many years he walked with the Lord. And one of the most famous Preacher Dan stories, my friend who passed away a couple weeks ago, is this. And it says, and, and Enoch was taken. He didn't die. The Lord took him home. And Dan would say this. He said, one day Enoch was walking with the Lord. And their relationship was so sweet and so close. The Lord said to Enoch, hey, man, we're closer to my house than we are to your house. You just come home with me. And he left this world and went to that world. I want to have such a personal relationship with Jesus that it's not a shock to anybody when I leave this world and go to the next. Michael's just with the one he loved. Michael's with the God that he served. Man, that is what I want. Step one, make it personal. Step two, hey, live a life of inclusivity and purpose. I, now listen, right off the bat, I want to say, I believe there's one way to relationship with God, and that is through Jesus Christ, the Son. I believe there's one way. But when I say inclusiveness, I mean everybody, whosoever will, can come. I mean that we are looking at people who are nothing like us and inviting them to be a part of our fellowship. That we are showing love to people who look and act and believe nothing like us. Another friend I had that passed away recently was a man named John Deans. And you probably, some of you might know John. John would go on high school campus, us college campuses, and talk about Jesus. And he would have conversations there. I believe the last time I was here, I told you about some of the things that John was doing because he was a mentor in my life. And I just so enamored with the way that he shared, passionately shared the love of Jesus with people who was nothing like him. John was gray-headed, 70 years old, standing out there on a college campus with his Georgia Bulldog cap on. And people would walk by, and they might be Muslim. They might be atheist black white red yellow it didn't matter they came by and he just honestly shared with them just had a conversation with them and his face didn't change and didn't express any anger if they rejected christ he just shared the love of jesus and the truth of jesus with them oh that we would do that oh that we'd be about that that our neighbors would know that we're a welcoming place to be that we wouldn't need to put a sign on our door that says this is a safe place that we would just people would just know that we love and we include and we are drawing people in with the love that that we have for christ this word here let your gentleness be known to all it's so weird because i'm not necessarily wanting to be this guy that was this gentle um listen to this from james chapter 3 verse 17 this is how the word influences our life gentleness okay but the wisdom that comes from the heaven is first of all pure then peace loving the same word that was used for gentleness is used here and it's translated considerate submissive full of mercy good fruit impartial and sincere you see how that word was used there it was it was used along with pure peace loving from heaven submissive full of mercy good fruit impartial and sincere the, the wisdom that i want to express to the world 
is that. Pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive. And then in Titus chapter chapter 3, verse 2, it says, Remind the people to be subject to the, to, to the rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always be gentle towards everyone. Gentle towards everyone. Pastor Dan <clears throat> was a very welcoming person. He began his ministry in Madison County. He was uh, my pastor for 10 years. And one day we were standing at, we were at the baseball, uh, softball field. Love baseball, very competitive. And uh, it was beautiful to see him pitch because he would argue every ball or strike. I mean, everything. He was just in it. He was all in, passionate about it. But outside the fence, he was just so gentle and humble. We're standing at the ball field one day, and this guy standing there, very dignified guy, and I walk up to him. We start talking. I knew him from the church. He was our deacon. Uh, head deacon and I, he, there was a little conflict going on in our church ironically in Philippians chapter 1 verse 1 and 2, 3 there before he says rejoice in the Lord always Paul is describing conflict in the church he's encouraging the church to help the ladies in the conflict come back together I'm standing there in the park I walk up to this man, we start talking and there's a little bit of conflict going on on the scene and this guy said to me he said as long as I'm here they're never going to run that guy off talking about Dan and I said yeah really why is that he said because when, because when I was a drunk face down in the gutter that man loved me he showed me Christ he pulled me out of the gutter he helped me restore my marriage and that he is why I know Jesus and I'm walking with Jesus and I have a family today Woo. listen that is amazing you want that testimony told about you if you're a believer once you leave this earth you cared enough to look to look at someone in their need in their circumstance and help them up you your gentleness allowed you to minister to them where a person of a haughty spirit would have walked by and said that's got to be for somebody else there's got to be somebody paid to do that task i can't reach out to that person here's this man standing here wearing his clean clothes with his position in the church with his position in the community and says that man found me in that position and showed me mercy showed me grace church we need a bunch of people like that. Let your gentleness be evident to all. To all. Indicating the great commission. My willingness to walk with Christ, my willingness to rejoice in Christ, and, and to walk in the knowledge that he made me and he saved me, he has a plan and a purpose for my life, and he has a place for me to spend eternity that knowledge, that heart feeling, that realization needs to inspire me to take it to all. Not just to Barra County, Clark County, Oconee County, but to all. And yes, we do that through the cooperative program. But you know how else we do that? By training kids in Sunday school. By training kids in vacation Bible school. By teaching kids in student ministry by training the adults in discipleship 
look I'm church through and through okay I am I am I like fall festivals and that kind of stuff but we we spend a lot of money and a lot of effort doing things doing events and if the church would honestly be the church outside of these walls we wouldn't have to spend as much time doing events because we would be relate, relating to people and showing them the great love of Christ. When it becomes personal to us and we decide to be inclusive and reach out and love, the church is going to light up. It's going to overflow. When people begin to live out what they say they believe, it's going to explode. My son, I like to brag on my boys. I'm sure you, you like to brag on yours too. My son came home from practice in seventh grade, and he said, Dad, I'm starting Thursday. And I'm like, you're playing basketball on the seventh and eighth grade team. You're not the tallest kid out there. You're not the best shooter. And it's our first playoff game. How are you going to start on Thursday? You haven't started a game all year. Coach told us today, Dad, that whoever hustles the most in practice is going to start on a Thursday when we have the game. And ain't nobody going to out-hustle me, Dad. Wow. I'm like, yeah, you go, son. And he said that, and you know what I thought? Huh, mark that on your calendar. That boy's going to be starting. You know what happened Thursday? He started. He still didn't shoot very well. He's not the tallest kid out there, but nobody, nobody out-hustled him. He's just getting after it. God has a purpose for us, and when we accept that purpose and decide to open up our hearts to that purpose, there's a story in Jeremiah where the captives, the Israeli captives, or Hebrew captives are in Babylon. And the prophet is telling them, he says, listen. He says, yes, you're captives. You're in prison. Uh, you're, not, you're not in prison, but you're held here. You're, you, you can't go home. You're, you're hostages. You, military, you've been taken over here. You're, you're, you're here. Exiles. And he says to them, he says, plant gardens and eat at those gardens. Build homes. Give your kids in marriage. Pray for your city. And as you pray for your city and bless your city, as your city is blessed, you'll be blessed too. What is he telling those people? You may be in an environment that doesn't seem good to you, doesn't seem awake to the gospel, doesn't seem to love the Jesus you serve, but take part in your life and take part in your community and take part in your garden and take part in your kids and watch the peace of the Lord begin to prosper the city church make jesus personal in yourself by trusting him and following him in the word and then take the word outside outside the final point i have about how we can rejoice in the lord is we can live a life excited about the future a life of expectation about what is coming again as a Christian, it's not always easy to look around and say, man, what a fertile ground for growing disciples. This is just a perfect environment for growing. 
But for such a time as this, Jesus has put me and you right here. And he's told us to rejoice in him in this environment. The, the, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul in prison. The Apostle Paul beaten. The Apostle Paul stoned. Just think about everything that he went through, and yet his passion for Christ pushed him forward I believe it's because he heard the words of Jesus say if I go away I will prepare a place for you that where I am you may be also where I am you may be also you see Paul's legacy it's not the legacy of Paul, but it's the legacy of Christ and him bringing the kingdom, him exposing the kingdom, him showing the kingdom to many. The expectation of living with Jesus forever, the expectation of he might bring someone into his kingdom today, that expectation needs to flood our hearts and our minds. The place where you serve the, the place where you work, it may not look like great soil, but that's the task that Jesus has put in front of us. And tilling that, and planting it, and watering it, and tending it, that's what God has called us to do. We need to be excited about that, prayerful about that, knowing that God in his time is going to work his good work in those people that we are witnessing to, and those people that we are walking around every day talking about Jesus and living our lives in such a way that they see our good works and they, they glorify our Father who's in heaven. I hope you're living a life that is expectant. Expecting Jesus to do good things and expecting Jesus to come again. My three friends that <clears throat> that passed away. One was 50 one was 70, and one was weeks away from being 90. 50, 70, 90. 50-year-old had cancer. He had two children. The last time um, we met for coffee, he told me, he said, no one can be a better father to my children than Jesus. I don't know the test that came back he had cancer from years ago and tests came back and these new tests were not good and hey man how do you you know what's going on how do you feel blah 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 no one can be a better parent to my kids than Jesus there is a level of trust there's a level of relationship there's a level of expectation there that that blows me away that I desire to have in my life that I walk that closely with Jesus that I'm expecting Jesus to do good things in the life of my kids even though I might not be there physically to see it church that's the type of heart that we need to have for Christ and his kingdom no matter what circumstances are going on in my life good, bad, indifferent ugly, whatever I know that Christ is going to make a way. I know 
that Christ is able. I know that Christ sustains everything. And I know that he's going to deliver us. And I know that in the end, I'm going to live with him forever. Forever. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The end is near. Look, look, look how that verse, look, look how it concludes. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. The time is growing close for Jesus to return. The time is growing close that the trumpet's going to be blown. The time is going to be close when we're going to go away. I've heard that all my life. Pastor Dan, John, Mark, they, they, they probably heard it all their lives. And they didn't see it in their lifetime. Hey, you and I, we might. Or maybe we won't. But the end is still near. And it's still coming. Live every day. Live every day. Enjoy every day. D don't say, I'll do nothing so tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow brings. Don't wait to talk to your mom, to talk to your family tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow brings. Don't wait for that sentence to be filled, for that question to be answered. What do you want said about you when you're gone? Don't wait till tomorrow. Claim it today and begin to work towards that today. That you knew a personal God. That you lived an inclusive faith. And that you lived with a level of of expectancy, expecting Jesus to do great things and expecting him to come again. I hope that's where you are. I hope this is just a reminder. But if it's not, let's take a moment. Gather at the altar and pray. Maybe you've just allowed Jesus to come into your heart and you're not living from him, for him every day. I'll remind you of the proverb that we probably all learned in Sunday school years ago. It says, uh, in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Or as the Apostle Paul put it, rejoice in the Lord. If you're not rejoicing in the Lord, maybe it's because you don't know him. If you're, not, if you're not rejoicing in the Lord, maybe it's because you're not renewing your mind so that you see all of his goodness. Whatever case you're, you're in today, we're going to open up the altars. And as the band comes and leads us, if, if you need to come forward and pray, I'll be standing over here. I would love to pray with you. I'd love to talk to you about how you can have a relationship with Jesus. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and God has raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. The thief on the cross, the criminal on the cross said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. 
I trust you, Jesus, said the thief. And Jesus said, today, you'll be with me. With me. The relationship continued. This conversation continued in heaven, in paradise, forever. Do you believe it? Are you living it? Tell others about it. Father, thank you so much for your word. May we take it to heart. And we may we live every day rejoicing in the life that you have given us. And it's in your wonderful name I pray. Amen. Thank you.